Hey everyone, it's a new episode of Find Your Film. This is episode 133. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for that numbering of the 133. I did not know what number this was of Find Your Film. Eric Holmes, co-host of FYS, he is now, he's calling himself on the YouTube channel, Confess Eric. Confess Eric. I'm trying to think that might be a play of words on one of the movies that we're going to cover. Yes. Why did I forget? Again, I said this on Cinematics. I'm getting older. I forget movies. There's a movie we're covering this week called Confess Fletch, Eric Holmes, Fletch, growing up, Chevy Case, Chevy Chase, or Chevy Chase, or Case Chevy, Chevy, Chevy Nova, I don't know. Were you a fan of these Fletch movies when you were growing up? I'm more of a Ford guy myself. No, just <laughs> um, I, I did, I did like the Fletch movies growing up, and, um, I haven't seen them in a long time. Okay. And then uh, when I saw that we were doing Confess Fletch this week, I was like, all right, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I wonder if this is a Fletch movie. And I started watching it. I'm like, oh, it's a Fletch movie. Cool. Flash, so, flash review. Flash review. Confess Fletch. Should we watch it or not? Flash review. This is it. We're, we're finished. Come on. I, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay. You should not yeah. have said that. That was a joke, Eric. Oh. You're spoiling the entire show Sorry. for us. What are I you mean, doing? I hate it. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Eric. Bruce Perky, a.k.a. Funeral Perk raid of with a perk raid of the of the noses. I don't know, fun, aka funeral parade of the roses, or I don't know, funeral parade of the funeral in Berlin. This is a weird mu- movie. This is is this your box movie of the week, Bruce Perky? It, it is my box movie of the week, funeral parade of the roses, which I knew virtually nothing about, and now I know a little bit more about it. I saw the trailer. It really intimidated me because of it, of its visual inventiveness. And it, it was just, it was like eating a lot of candy and almost feeling like throwing up at the end of the trailer. Did you ever have any queasy feeling while watching Funeral Parade of Roses? Did you feel a sensory overload before we get to your review later on in the episode? Uh, no, no, I did not. It, it, it definitely has its own rhythm and it can be a little frantic at first, but uh, we'll talk about it. It's, it's, it's its own thing. Well, I'm a little bit frantic first, second, third. I'm frantic all the time. The features that we're covering this week, wow, again, the aforementioned Confess Fletch, which, um, all confession aside, Eric Holmes spoiled it because he said he likes it. I don't know. Maybe Bruce and I actually did not like Confess Fletch. We'll throw a little bit of drama into this mystery comedy headlined by John Hamm as Fletch, and it doesn't star Chevy Chase or Chevy Chase or Chase Chevy or Ford Chevy. I don't know. There's another movie called Speak No Evil, which... I don't know. I don't know if it's a very original title, but maybe it might be an original film. And then we're also doing a movie with Tandaway Newton, not Tandy Newton. She pronounces her name now. Tandaway Newton called God's Country. Bruce Perky, would you call God's Country sort of a inversion of a Western? Is it a thriller? What is it? A drama? What character drama? What would you consider God's Country? Tandaway Newton. Yeah, I would say a character drama with Thriller elements, yes. Mm, thriller elements, okay. Didn't it make you want to pop open a beer after watching this movie? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Whenever I um, clean up the house, um, I like to sit out on the porch and pop a pop a beer. Pop a beer. Okay, very good. There is a little bit of a visual reference that Bruce is mentioning that you will only know. It's not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler because we haven't said anything. What about you, Eric Holmes? Pop open a beer in front of the porch? Is that something that you like to do? Maybe, I don't know. I don't even know beers anymore. What is it? A Chimay, a Schlitz, a uh, Stella Artois, a Bud Light? What do you do on the porch? If you're on your porch, what do you do? Well, I don't drink beer. I I drink uh, apple juice, and I like to put them in my uh, finder film glass or walk the cinema glass or have a middle-class film glass over there. That's what I do. 
but yeah. oh, very cool. You have a walk the cinema glass merch. You have a walk. Oh, very cool. How is that walk the cinema glass that you're drinking right now with your find your film shirt? How's that glassware going from walk the cinema? It actually makes it apple juice taste like a little better. It's Ooh. like just it, it's got that little extra little extra mustard to it. Little Not extra- actual mustard. Mustard and apple juice wouldn't taste good, but you know what I'm saying. I, well, I know what you're saying. I know one thing. You like courtroom drama, so I'm going to actually act, act like a barrister right now, and I'm going to ask Bruce Perky. Bruce Perky, you're on the stand. Walk the cinema, excluding the glassware. What about the podcast itself? What was it like for you to sit down with a duo and walk the cinema podcast? What did you cover, and what was that experience like for you? It was very fun. I had never met them before. I'd heard quite a few of the episodes, so it was kind of interesting to, to see the faces, to go with the voices, which is always different when you hear only an audio version of something. And uh, we talked about the uh, early 60s movie, which we've we've discussed and loved on here in the past, is The Innocence, Deborah Carr. And uh, we actually get into pretty spoiler territory. So if you ha- want to hear a kind of a spoiler discussion, as well as just a general discussion of The Innocence you should go check that out when it comes up. I don't know when they're going to post it yet, though. It's not this week. Okay, so the innocence. I'm assuming you did, did see it again for in preparation for the Walk the Cinema podcast. Your reaction when you saw it? I guess maybe for either it might be your third time or your, or your second time. Your thoughts on the movie? Um, I I still love it. I think this time I really focused more on the some of the technical aspects, especially like the cinematography and the way the shots were arranged and and just kind of the way it was assembled and uh, kind of enjoyed it on that level. And I it's just a movie that keeps on giving. It's pretty great. I looked up the grounds where it was filmed on like <laughs> Google Earth and was trying to figure out how I can get there so I can walk around those grounds because it is now open to the public, that area. It's like some big park. So if you want to go see that mansion and all those ponds and things, you can do that. Probably one of the most beautiful gothic horror thriller films I've ever seen. I'm sure that still holds up upon a second viewing. Okay, so that's Walk the Cinema, a podcast, and check out the Innocence episode. Well, just check out Walk the Cinema. We will provide a link on our show notes regarding where you can find that podcast as well. Now, let's start off with our featured reviews. Oh, by the way... We, due to time constraints, we're actually going to do a spoiler of this mo- of Speak No Evil, and we're going to kick the can for one more week. We, I love Samuel Fuller. Please, rest in peace, Samuel Fuller. We're going to cover the big red one next week, and then two weeks from now, Eric Holmes has his pick for the director spotlight, which is what, Eric Holmes? Who are you, who are you covering? Yeah, I do go with uh, James Bridges, and I believe we went with uh, Perfect and Urban Cowboy. Okay. But, okay. uh... He's got a bunch of bangers, so I, I just watch all of them. Okay, but he might watch all of them. Actually, the one movie that I guess none of us have seen, and yeah, we're not rich yet, because you can actually, at on Voodoo for nine ninety nine, you can purchase, I don't know if it's la- if it's his last movie, but there's a movie starring Deborah Winger called Mike's Murder. I hear really good things about this movie. So, But anyways, for the purposes in two weeks, next week we're, we're finally going to cover The Big Red One, and then in two weeks from now, it's Eric Holmes' director spotlight for Perfect and Urban Cowboy. Are you an Urban Cowboy yourself, Eric Holmes? Yeah, that was one of the staples growing up watching it. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, 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 I don't, I don't know if I am an Urban Cowboy, but I've seen that movie a lot, a lot, a lot. Bruce, Bruce Berkey, as a suburbanite, as a, I don't know, city dweller, did you ever, did you ever get Urban Cowboy and the Electric Horseman confused? Because as a sheltered uh, kid of uh, of fifteen and now a sheltered fifty one year old, I can't tell between both movies. Come on. I think they shoot electric 
horsemen, don't they? That's what I've heard. Okay, that's another cinephile reference to they still what they shoot horses, don't they? Directed, well, I don't know, by Sidney Pollock. I'm just guessing right now. I'm not. I don't have IMDb right now. Bruce and all his esoteric cine, cinephile jokes, in jokes, uh, popping a beer in front of a porch, which leads us to God's Country. Directed by Julian Higgins, written by Shane Shay Ogbona and Julian Higgins, co-director, the director of the film. Where do we start? How do we even talk about this movie? It's it's oh, Eric, you have an idea on how to start, or do you want me to hand oh. off the baton to me? Mm. Yeah, you want to you want to see? I, wanna... I would tread very carefully because uh, in the chat, Bruce mentioned like a uh, mm-hmm. and it, and it goes with this and God's Country of a boiling a frog type movie. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't get to the part where the frog's like, I think I might be in trouble. <laughs> but like <laughs> everything before that should probably be fair game, I think. Okay, Bruce, we're going to tread lightly on God's Country. Do you, I mean, so what can we say about this? Well, we tend to tend away Newton. Okay, plays a woman named Sandra, and she is a black professor. She's a humanities professor in a rural rural college town. By the way, the the movie is based on a, cl- a short story from acclaimed author James Lee Burke. But anyway, Sandra, I don't know how much we want to s- really, really uh, spoil. The movie starts off with her at a crematorium. Her mother's ashes. They're going to actually, they're going to put her mother's, um, you know, the uh, coffin, and they're going to put her in fire. And actually, you witness the the uh, crematorium. And she's obviously in mourning. They live out in, where is this? Is this somewhere in a rural area in, I believe, Montana, I believe. And she lives out in the, the forest. And, but there's, there's actually some wide open spaces. The problem with Sandra is she's been a professor well, quite a while. And I, maybe we might reveal a couple of things. I, I think I, we're just going to wing it right here. But in mourning regarding her mother's passing, She's actually passed the buck maybe for several years during her years years as a professor. Just um, We're assuming it's inferred that she's collecting a paycheck. She loves being a teacher. But maybe there are things that she lets slip by like everyone else does because that's, you know, you got to earn a paycheck. But now with the, with the death of her mother, there are things that she just really will not stand for. One of them is two brother hunters. They're hunters. They're brothers. They park their red pickup truck near her property, actually on her property. And she kindly asks them, please, if she writes a note, please do not park on my property. And initially it's them asking her if she could and if they could. And she says no. And there's some little bit of an aggression regarding this. And this conflict, this little bit minor disagreement leads to dire situations regarding God's country. And it also spilled. There's a domino effect. Her frustrations with these hunters and their frustrations with her leads her to trying to get some help from the sheriff, the acting sheriff of the small town as well. And it spills over to her daily work life as well. That is God's country, again, directed and co-written by Julian Higgins. Eric Holmes, let us start with you. How did this movie strike you? It runs at 102 minutes. Did it have you enthralled all throughout the way? No, not all throughout. Um, early on, I was. It just seemed like indie porn to me, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a rough sit." But, uh, but like I mentioned, Bruce said it was like the, it was like the boiling the frog. Like, you know, well, it slowly started creeping up on me, and then until it gets to the until it, you know gets to the finale, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is really good." And then I actually went back and watched it again. Wow. And I, if you remember when we talked about Petite Maman, that had that same 
uh, kind of uh, uh, effect on me. Watching Petite Maman, I'm like, this is fucking boring. I hate this movie. And then I'm watching the movie and I'm getting into it. I'm like, this movie's awesome. And then I go back and watch it. And all those parts I saw that were boring before were like, oh, okay, okay. This, this is all starting to starting to make sense that, uh, right now. So this this is definitely a movie that'll work great on a rewatch. Um, mm, and it's got a, it, it feels like a ta- Taylor Sheridan movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got that. It's got that kind of uh, Wind River, or uh, 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 what was the one you did with uh, Chris Pine and Ben Foster? Cold, cold, and cold. Hell or high, hell or high, hell water. Or high water. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of his most famous one. Actually, his most famous one is probably Sicario. But it, regardless, um, right. but 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 yeah, the, this one's really good. It, it got kind of messy in the middle because they were doing things of. Uh, Candy Newton, her character was like kind of turned into like a what do you call it? Uh, idiots would call it woke, but there was like uh, there were some like social issues that she had to deal with. Right, she's, she's getting, pulling for diversity in. It's, it's not too much of a spoiler. She's you know she's pushing yeah. for diversity in her in her college yeah. as opposed to passing the buck like we're assuming she's done before. And, and but, so, yeah. but yeah, the, all that stuff. Like as I'm watching, I'm like this. Where'd this come from? This this is not the movie I've been watching up to this point. It doesn't make sense. And then you get, you know, and then uh, the the rest of the movie goes on. And then I'm watching it again. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Th- this is all starting to this is all starting to weave together. Um, but yeah, the first watch this was tough to get to the end. But once I did, and then I went back and watched it again, it got much better the second time. And yeah. not a lot. Of, I mean, that's much of a good movie, right? I think. <laughs> you saw it freaking tw- twice, and and well, because okay. when I got to then, I'm like, God, I feel like I missed a lot. Because like as everything's starting to fall into place, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I I, th- I think. Wait, what was that part at the beginning? So I I had to, and you know, I had to go back and and do it again just to just to be like, okay, oh, that okay, that pays off there. Now I see. Now I see where we're going. Does the third act maybe the last fifteen minutes hit you harder upon the second watch when you see all the the visual cues, all of those pieces, uh, puzzle pieces come together? Did you have a bigger impact regarding? Not so much. It's more that once I knew, and th- and this is kind of why, um, you know, the, you don't like to spoil movies, and I'm not going to spoil this, but you don't like to spoil movies. I think this would be a, a movie that would probably benefit from spoilers. Because mm. there's certain movies that, like, once you know what's going on, it's, it, you know, that that's why you go back and watch it again. It's like, okay, now I know what time it is. Now now I can kind of uh, fully appreciate what's what's coming before. Uh, like Petite Maman's perfect example. Like, if you know what that is going in, the the air quote boring parts at the beginning will probably resonate more. So that, I, I think the, the first half resonated more with me on the second watch now that you know now that i knew kind of what was coming that is a fully fleshed review from eric holmes regarding god's country he's seen it twice and i don't blame him because bruce do you agree that there's a lot of uh, maybe puzzles uh uh, puzzle pieces that maybe upon first blush you might gloss over because this this is such a slow burn thriller is it that maybe uh, warrants a a second watch was this movie powerful for you um i think it was it was pretty powerful to me it was pretty good i was a little more on board all the way through and i guess for whatever reason i kind of trusted this movie to answer some of the questions i had and there were definitely some questions and i think 
what he's alluding to are some of those things in the first part of it. You're kind of like, okay, well, why are we doing this? You know, there's a, there's some kind of loose, it feels like a lot of loose ends or things that aren't quite making sense, but those do all get threaded together as he kind of indicates as well. Uh, one of the things that kind of struck me right out of the gate on this one is this, this is a movie where you have this character who just wants people. It's not quite following the rules, just people do the right thing to each other like that for each other. You know, that's kind of the nature of her main conflict and kind of similar to, so he talked about um, Emily, the criminal, how, when she's faced with a conflict, surprisingly, she walks into it and kind of kicks ass. This isn't that exactly, but what she does in this movie is she also doesn't walk away from conflict. She kind of comes from the point of view of like, Hey, the right thing to do is this. I, I'm requesting you to do the right thing in a very civil way, like another human being should, and you're failing to do it. And everyone else around me thinks that I'm the bad person for saying something like they just want her to kind of just, just settle down, settle down. It's okay. Don't worry about it. These guys are just using your property, whatever. And then this is also a movie of escalations. Like you hear the, you hear the term, what do you call them? Microaggressions. Yes. This is, <laughs> this is a movie that starts with lots of microaggressions and eventually, like we said, cooks the frog and escalates into <laughs> macroaggressions. Um, if that's a term, uh, I think that the tone of this is really consistent and it's, it's kind of cold and bleak, but it kind of needs to be that. And there is an emotional core with her character that's kind of good, I think, as it goes along. And there's actually some pretty heartbreakingly beautiful moments towards the end of this movie as well. Um, I really like her character a lot. And I like the fact that there are certain things about her character. For example, this is not a spoiler. At one point, she, um, at one point, she gets a gun out of a box. That's not okay. People have guns in their houses, whatever, but there's a lot more behind that. And when you find out a lot more behind that, it fleshes out a whole bunch of stuff that you saw earlier now is recontextualized. And now you're like, okay, a lot of this makes a lot more sense now. Um, I think it's a pretty, pretty, pretty fine movie. And I think um, people who like, like you said, like slow burn dramas with thriller elements, um, not super uplifting, but very well acted and very well shot and very well um, just produced. I think this is going to be a satisfying watch for, for those people that like that kind of thing. Right. I love this movie. Uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> this is, this movie is one of these things, Eric, you were alluding to the slow burn nature of God's country. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, so this is going really slow. God's country. You're, I feel like I'm, I'm watching every single leaf <laughs> getting turned. How, when will this end? But when you start getting getting into the rhythms of this movie, it hooks you. It hooks you. And it's, look, there are moments in this movie regarding the microaggressions and the conflicts that are absolutely nerve-wracking. And yeah, I was nervous through a lot of this movie. One of the advantages for regarding our podcast, doing podcast reviews, is I've actually read a bunch of these re reviews for God's Country. And they mention a very big, pivotal pivotal um pivotal plot point in this movie and we we just haven't mentioned it i mean nope. we can literally we can literally mention it right now i was thinking of mentioning it because every single review i've seen online mentions this situation but bruce and eric said no let's not mention it and w what's great about that is the omission of this extra information regarding tandaway newton's character listener if you 
if you're surprised, it, it actually upscales your viewing experience for God's country. If you don't know her backstory fully, all you need to know is her, her mother passed away at the beginning of the movie and she's living out there in the country. Once you start, once it starts fleshing out her character, it, this will be a really, don't read, what I'm saying is don't read all those online reviews regarding God's country. It'll lay out the map for you. you. You'll still enjoy it. But there's a little bit of a surprise that Eric and Bruce have left out regarding God's country, which I was going to spill. But I'm going to just be quiet about it and just say this is, in my opinion, like Bruce was saying, slow burn thrillers, highly recommended. I have to, I have to admit, I've, I have not rewatched the movie like Eric Holmes. But I have seen the end of God's Country about 15 times. I've seen the end. I just can't, we can't really say anything about it. Let's just say the ending is something you're going to remember. It's one of the most memorable endings of this year or any other year. But running at 102 minutes, it hits theaters, only in theaters September 16th. I believe this is worth a watch in your theater, especially if you want some visceral intellectual, insightful, and slow burn cinema. So for me, my my rating for God's Country, I think I gave it four stars, but it as the days progress, I'm loving it even more. I'm giving God's Country four and a half stars. Eric Holmes, two-time watcher of God's Country, what is your rating? Yeah, I'm probably four and a half too. And uh, again, um, uh, what what you said about going to the theater, this is this is actually be a really good one to see in the theater if it's available. Because you, you think a theater going experience like Flash, Boom, Bang, um, this doesn't have that. Well, I guess it kind of does towards the end, but um, it, it doesn't really have that. But movies like this and movies like a ghost story, like really slow burn movies like this, I think work better in theaters. Just because yeah. for some reason, when you're sitting in a theater, it's easier to be more focused. It kind of um, locks you in and immerses you in the world, yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that, uh, and also we didn't mention this has like a lot of, uh, this has a lot of similar DNA to um, uh, Killing of Two Lovers. Like, yes. A, yeah. Yes. So if, if, if you like Killing of Two Lovers, definitely check this out. If you check this out and you like it and you haven't seen Killing of Two Lovers, watch Killing of Two Lovers. I think I like Killing of Two Lovers a little better, but this one's still really good. And I'm probably with you, Greg, yeah. four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, I, I like the Killing of Two Lovers just a little bit more, but that's not that does not yeah. <laughs> that does not make God's Country a lesser film. I mean, it's it's still worth watching. I, I, watch that's both. like holding platinum and go. Pfft. Gold? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Four and a half for Eric Holmes, four and a half for me. Bruce Berkey, your rating on God's country. Uh, four and a half. I'm right with four. you guys. Wow. Four and a half. Yeah. We were, I was surprised at how much. I, and Tandaway Newton, my goodness. She's fantastic. Excellent. She's been great for years, but she holds this one down. Right. Oh, also, you guys don't remember this. We all reviewed that movie, Murder at Yellowstone City. I don't know if you guys remember that Western. I think who, yeah. who reviewed Did all three of us review I it? Did, I didn't get you, it because the, the link or something went weird. But. Okay. Okay. Right. Eric Holmes, the uh, Tanya Beatty or something, the Indian girl, she was in Murder at Yellowstone City. She was one of the, the main characters. Oh, she was the okay. one in the with the horses and whatnot at Murder yeah. Murder at Yellowstone City, just FYI. I, She's also, very good. With- with with speak no evil, I I speak don't no evil. Is, uh, not not speak no God's country. Sorry. Yes, um, God's country. I don't think this is a spoiler because it happens at the beginning. But when I watched it the second time, that opening scene with her uh, talking to her students, mm-hmm. I felt like that would have 
been better at the end than the beginning. Uh, okay, what you're talking about, about, you know, just like, making be, the way be, through because life. Because when I'm watching, and, and I'm not going to say what happens at the end, but like when I'm watching that scene, and that, that was one of the things going back and watching it, it just kind of drilled in my head. I'm watching that scene, I'm going, dude, this, this scene, because the first time I saw that scene, I'm like, let's get on to the fucking movie, Jesus Christ, move on. And then the movie gets over and I go back and I watch that scene and I'm watching that exact same scene that I just couldn't wait for it to be over. I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is fantastic. This should have been thin. Yeah, that that is. An, yeah, I can't wait to actually watch this again. So that is God's country. Before we get to Eric mentioned the, the movie Speak No Evil, I'm going to jump a little bit to Confess Fletch because Confess Fletch is, a, I would say, a, a much lighter film. And this is very easy for us to get through Confess Fletch. It's been, what, 35, 35 plus years or 30-something years since the last Fletch movie. And I think Kevin Smith was supposed to do it maybe one year or he, was, he had it in development with maybe Jason Lee and Jason Sudeikis one time. But now, finally, Confess Fletch. It's now, it's a reality. It hits theaters on digital and on demand on Friday via Paramount. It's not Chevy Chase or Chevy Chase or Chase whatever as Fletch. It is John Hamm from Mad Men as Fletch and it's a there's some kind of situation where it starts with he's somewhere I guess in Italy or there's some art high situation no there's some there's some stolen paintings there's a count or very rich man from Italy who's kidnapped and Fletch has something to do with his daughter there's a countess played by Marsha Gay Harden there's, it, so it starts off in Italy then it goes down to Boston and when Fletch arrives at these, this apartment he's I guess leasing or or renting or whatever he finds a dead body at his at this uh, leased apartment and he, right now he is a prime suspect number one in the murder of the young woman so not only does he have to find the stolen paintings of this count dude he also has to figure out how can he figure out who the killer is who killed this woman so it's sort of a double mystery or maybe this mis- these this double mystery might be all one big mystery wrapped up into one Kyle McLaughlin also stars in this movie our buddy from Dune, I think Eric Holmes, before we started recording the show, he was mentioning Dune by David Lynch in, in a certain reference. But yeah, Kyle McLaughlin, he plays an art dealer as well in this movie. Again, Marsha Gay Harden's in this. Really interesting. Let's just say this movie is a more of a comedy. It's a breezy affair directed by Greg Matola from Adventureland and Superbad. And for me, it was an enjoyable experience. I love deadpan, dry wit humor. And I don't know, it'll be interesting to see if this this movie worked for both of you guys. First, let me start off with you, Bruce Perky. When I say breezy, one might say low stakes. Did that did it did its breeziness and lightweight nature turn you off? Uh no, not necessarily. It was when that's kind of what Fletch is. I mean, that's the whole the whole idea of Fletch is it's just kind of a light, uh mystery like you said, quippy. Uh, lots of characters and, you know, who's, who's doing what to whom. And it's all kind of a convoluted, uh, you know, affair. I, 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 when I watched this, I honestly felt, uh, most people aren't probably old enough to remember, except for maybe, maybe Greg, but they used to have this Sunday mystery movie, uh, every, in the early seventies. And it was I do like remember that. Columbo yeah. and McLeod, they had all these different characters. They'd have like a 90 minute TV movie and it was always something like this this feels like that this doesn't feel like a movie uh this feels like uh an episode of the fletch tv series to me which right. is the, the worst thing in the world it's yeah. not the worst thing in the world Wait, but what if it's intended to be like you just that reference sure that's fine that's great i mean that yeah. works it's just it's not it's 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 
it's like a um a snack that you don't remember much after the fact, but it tasted okay while you were eating it. It wasn't terrible, but maybe it wasn't like that awesome, full, lush piece of cake. This is more like an eclair with maybe no filling. So <laughs> I love eclairs. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, for me, it didn't, it didn't really move the needle much. Uh, I, one of the problems for me, I think this will work much better for people who haven't seen a lot of the actual Fletch movies, because the whole time I felt like, Oh, this is John Hamm doing kind of doing a Chevy Chase. And I kept thinking like, well, it's not quite Chevy Chase, but it's kind of Chevy Chase. So I think your your mileage will vary based on how much you enjoy that performance and that style. I'm kind of right in the mediocre camp on this one. It I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. I'm not mad if it's on the screen in front of me, but I'm, you know, I'm not going anywhere uh special to see it happen. Eric Holmes, confess Fletch. I got to confess, I like this one. anyway yeah this was uh i I wasn't quite sure what to make of it uh when we got the screener um and i was like they're doing a fletch movie and then uh i I got done when i got done with the movie i looked up uh, wikipedia and the the author that wrote the fletch books confess fletch is one of them the one that i think the one that kevin smith was gonna do was fletch lives and i Mm. don't believe fletch lives was one of the books but confess fletch is i haven't read the book i i don't know but uh, I, I like John Hamm in this. And, you know, I've actually been kind of jonesing for a good comedy. And this is a quippy detective comedy. And so that scratch and niche, because like a, a lot of the movies that we cover on here are either like really bleak or uh, horror related. And we get movies that are kind of funny, but we don't really get like a, a straight comedy, which I think this kind of isn't really either, but it kind of leans more on that. And actually by the time I was done with it, I was like, I want to go watch the other Fletch movies. <laughs> Cause I remember watching them back in the day and I, I just haven't seen them in decades at this point. Um, but yeah, the, this was really fun. I kind of liked it. The, the end, you know, by the time it got to the end, I was kind of, um, okay, we can, we can wrap this up, you know, but yeah, that was a, I, that was a cute little cute ending. Don't you, don't you think? The, no, the, I, I'm, I'm talking about like as oh. the movie's ending, I'm like, come on. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the timer went up like five minutes ago. Let's, 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 let's start rolling credits. But, uh, actually the fact that Kevin Smith was supposed to do Fletch Lives, like this, this feels like, uh, this feels like probably one of the better Kevin Smith movies, even though it's not a Kevin Smith movie. But like, if you're into, uh, actually, I take that back. This, this is a little closer to Aaron Sorkin just because of the dialogue back and forth, the quippy dialogue is yeah, the really banter. fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what I say about Kevin Smith, disregard that a little closer to Aaron Sorkin, but Aaron Sorkin, when he's being a little cheeky is kind of, is kind of what this movie is. And if you're not into that, then you're going to watch Confess Fletch and you're going to be like, this movie's fucking bullshit. <laughs> but, you know, if if you're in a certain mood and you're like, I want to watch John Hamm be charming and funny and silly and a bunch of people. Uh, who was the who was the detective, the female detective? Aiden the- Mayeri. A- yeah. Aiden Mayeri. Yeah, she's very good as Grizz. <laughs> she's yeah, good. Fletch, Fletch kept fucking with her the entire time. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That. that she she played a good uh foil. heel yeah, yeah. Foil, nah, not even foil <laughs> like a heel or like kind of she was kind of the butt of the like she's the she's the upcoming you know i'm gonna be a detective and then Fletch just keeps just going right over her head and just yeah. fucking with her Taking and the it, piss. It, 
but but not in like a mean like this movie's not like mean at all this movie's just completely lighthearted throughout most of it and uh yeah it, it's kind of fun to watch I'd, I'd say if you had just got done watching god's country or speak no evil confess fletch will be a tall glass of cool water for you look i'm gonna say this it's again you're right eric it's based upon the book by gregory mcdonald confess fletch here's the thing bruce is accurate it is it feels it totally feels like a tv movie it feels like a TV movie, and there's nothing really. This is not John Ford's The Searchers. This is not Citizen Kane. This is a very light romp. And if you like that deadpan, dry wit, Eric has seen God's Country twice. I believe Confess Fletch. If you like that that type of humor, this is a rewatchable film for me. I will yeah. go back and watch it for the quips. I think for the added value of the rewatchability factor, this feels like a three and a half star film for me. But ultimately, I just like this genre. I like John Hamm as Fletch. I liked all of the other characters make doing their one-liners and a lot of the jokes are just so just really out there and throwaway jokes and the banter is really cool i but again like eric said there's going to be some people who are going to watch this movie and say oh jeez i am wasting my time i feel sorry for those people just be warned but there is a select group who will really enjoy confess fletch i am one of those people i'm giving confess fletch four stars in theaters on digital and on demand september 16th bruce perky your rating uh, for me, it's like two and a half, but your mom or your dad will love it. <laughs> your mom or your dad will love it. Eric Holmes, your review on your rating on Confess Fletch. Well, you can call me daddy because I too am giving it four stars. Um, I always call you daddy, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, this this is a this is a movie that understood the assignment. I think. Yeah, and uh, it, it it's exactly what it needs to be. And it, uh, it it does it well. So good job, Confess Fletch. It, you couldn't ask for a better Fletch sequel 30 or 40 years after the last one or however long it was. Okay. All right. So that is Confess Fletch again in theaters, on demand, on digital on Friday, September 16th. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser, there was a trailer, trailer one, trailer two, final trailer. I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Oh, <laughs> yeah, buddy! All That's right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. That's right, I am. My, my transcript has no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> now, streaming exclusively on Shudder this Thursday, September 15th, is... The, sh- the release from IFC Midnight and Shudder, it's, co- it's a collaboration. A movie called Speak No Evil, directed by Christian Taftrup. And that's all I want to say because I have been mentally and emotionally scarred from this, mo- from this movie for the rest of my life. This is one of these movies that I, wow. And I, I mentioned this to, to Anderson. I highly recommend this movie to Anderson over on Cinematics. Hopefully he'll eventually get the chance to watch this. The premise is there's two families. They're strangers. These two sets of families are strangers. They meet on a vacation in Tuscany. One of the families is Danish, the other family is Dutch. They have a really good time in Tuscany. The Danish family, they're, they're sort of a grass is greener on the other side. They're envious of the Dutch Dutch couple and their kid because they're thinking, oh, it's a Dutch couple. They look really hip and cool. They live out somewhere in the boondocks. And here we are. We're just a nice sheltered Danish family living in our we're city dwellers and we're boring. And they, they look to the Dutch family with a little bit of just envy and they kind of want to be like them. So when the Dutch family send them a postcard, maybe months later, months later, and they invite them to their home, the Danish family says, okay, let's go check it out. 
Let's let's check. Let's see where they live. And well, we, they eventually they they go there. They tra- traverse to this domicile, and the domicile's out in the woods, and there's a lot of nature around them. And what starts off as a seemingly beautiful and relaxing weekend turns into a nightmarish experience for the. I'm not going to say it's an interaction which is very horrific. And if you like the, the maybe the works of Michael Haneke. This is one, there's, we're going to talk about barrier to entry here, but let's start off with Bruce Porky on your review of Speak No Evil. What do you want to say about these two couples? Well, yeah, barrier for, <laughs> barrier for entry would definitely be pretty high on this. Uh, if you aren't up for something that would probably fall into disturbing category at some point in the runtime. Um, I think this movie is very, very good. For me, it is, but it will be a hard, hard sell for a lot of people because it is quite slow, at least in the presentation. I, I wasn't bored at all, though, watching it. I think that this is a movie about where it just starts and right out of the gate, you've got politeness being a problem, not wanting to rock the boat. And then somebody else is constantly testing. And for example, is a one member of one of the couples very early on is a vegetarian. You see this, it's acknowledged. Everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. And then when they all get together again, somebody says, oh, here's here's this big chunk of meat. Here you go. And they're like, oh, well, no, no, no. It's like, oh, no, you want to try it. This is going to be great. You're going to love it. And it's it just comes across as this weird, uh, we talk about microaggressions. It's more like a test. Like, hey, tell, come on, you can do this. It's no problem. And the people are polite. They don't want to rock the boat. And this movie slowly, like we talked about, slowly cooking the frog. This movie just keeps slowly escalating. And you know something bad is going to happen the whole time, but you're just not sure what. And this is also one of those movies where you have a lot of these moments of, why are you doing that? No, don't, don't, what are you doing? Why are you going now and doing that? You don't have to do that. And you just feel that they're doing the wrong thing. And then it sucks you back into this world. And um, there's a few moments in this movie like that. And then when the, when the other shoe drops and this, there is another shoe to drop in this movie. And when it does, it is, Boy, I would say the last, what, 15 to 20 minutes of this movie are harrowing and truly harrowing. I think this is a pretty fantastic movie. It might be one of those, hey, I don't ever want to rewatch this movie kind of movies. Although I did go back and rewatch the first 20 minutes of this. And then I was, I really appreciated it because I think unlike, so unlike the one we just talked about, um, God's Country, where knowing it kind of maybe enriches your understanding, knowing the twist almost, or knowing what's happening, not really a twist, what's happening at the end of this movie, when you rewatch it, it almost increases the dread. It almost yeah. increases it because every step of the way, you know what's happening and it makes it even more horrifying, I think, on a rewatch. Anyway, I think it's a pretty awesome movie. I like re- this quite a bit. There is a reveal in this, there's a lot of reveals, but there is a reveal in the movie. Well, the first of all, the couple is the really accommodating couple they're they're the uh i believe they have the danes bjorn and louise so, yes. so that's they're uh bjorn and louise they have a daughter agnes and yeah so in the dutch the, the dutch family they're patrick and karen and they have a son named abel so patrick and karen they're the ones they're they're the dutch couple with the son abel and it's about their relationship over that weekend but there is a scene in this movie that regarding one of these characters and that discovery is one of the most chilling things I've seen in years. And I was absolutely scared out of my gourd. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on this movie? Well, uh, one of my thoughts is that if uh, you're trying to leave a dangerous situation and your child wants to go back for a toy, just let it go. They're going to cry. 
fuck them. They don't know what's going on and they're children and you're the adult. So make a better decision. Second of all, learn to read the room sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> and you may be completely right, but sometimes if someone's acting away and then you start getting snarky with them, it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. This is, uh, yeah, this, this movie started off um, kind of where I was bored with God's country and went back and watched it. And I was like, Oh, it all makes sense. Uh, this one, I wasn't bored with it, but I was, I wanted to reach through the screen and just shake some sense into the people. And that, cause like sure. the, the movie does a good job of kind of not really showing its hand, but it lets the audience know there's something up here. <laughs> Like that's that's not even a spoiler. I think the filmmakers just know that like these people, uh, you might want to you might want to uh, you know they they might not be dangerous. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But they're certainly not people they need to be spending a week with <laughs> in a goddamn <laughs> cabin. Um, so like that, there's so many decisions the characters make that I'm just like, oh fucking, I, I, I was just pulling my hair out. And then like Bruce said, when it gets in the end, I was like, it, it, on one hand, the human side of me was like, oh, that's that's horrible, that's harrowing. But the Eric side of me was like, yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this it, uh, yeah, and also kind of kind of also like what Bruce said with uh, this is kind of a. Uh, was that not a comedy of errors, but like a comedy of um, manners, like manners. manners. Yeah. That, that's exactly what this is, but it's done kind of in a uh, really dark way. And yeah, the, this movie, it, it, as we say, it goes places that by the end, I, I think there's going to be two groups of people. There's going to be uh, most groups of regular humans that'll watch this movie. And be like, be horrified. Oh, oh my God, this is terrible. I, I hate this. Um, great movie, but I hate I hate uh, how this is making me feel. And then there's going to be the uh, other um, piece of shit humans like myself that are <laughs> they have kind of uh, almost uh, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not going to say anymore. Almost like that. you get what you deserve, dummies. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I didn't feel good about it, but you know, it's like that's it's a fucking doll. Leave it, you idiots. <laughs> I think also on a cinephile level. This is – okay, in in one way, if you watch it a second time, it can, like Bruce said, it can be a little bit more horrifying because you understand the dread that's going on. But if you are a sociopath like me, you can actually rewatch <laughs> Speak No Evil and actually go, wow, look at this visual composition. Look at the way this is cut and edited or the pacing of this or the way they actually hold the tension. They seduce you during the slow burn moments. And then when it gets to really slow burn moments and it's slow and you're realizing, please go faster, please go faster, it really takes it up a notch. So you can actually, if you do, my opinion, endure the first watch because it is like Bruce it's harrowing but then if you actually divorce yourself from the emotions of what's going on as a piece of filmmaking this is top tier for me yeah but Eric like you said there's this is one of these things that I absolutely love but I really am not encouraged by encouraging people to see speak no evil Bruce do you know where I stand regarding this I love this film so much but do we open our arms to a fellow cinephiles and say go see this movie I think well I think we mentioned like if you if you if you like kind of those somewhat transgressive filmmakers but that are making quality 
films, you know, Haneke and Gaspar Noe and that kind of stuff, I think definitely give it a try. But if you're more like wanting to see Top Gun Maverick and that's kind of where you <laughs> kind of your speed, probably not this movie. You're probably not up for this. I wanted to mention one last thing. I know we're going to put our ratings in here, but also I want to say this is a movie I think that could be played on a bunch of different levels. I mean, it's a social commentary on social kind of norms and manners and, and how we interact as people and, you know, what's polite society and what's not. I think this also could be like literally a political allegory. I, it totally could be a political, al- political allegory about, you know, certain countries putting up with certain things until they can't put up with them anymore. I think there's a lot of different ways this could be read. And I have a feeling there is some stuff that you would understand even more with this movie if you lived in that area of the world. I bet you it has a different resonance as well. But even with that gone, you can just take it as a human level. I think it, it works. As a stripped down thriller, it works, yeah. right? Sure. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, like you said, we're getting to ratings. Let's get to you, Eric Holmes. By the way, after we're done taping this, recording this uh, podcast, we're going to do a little bit of a very quick mini spoiler regarding that, and, and maybe we're going to actually uncover some of the nuggets for for Speak No Evil as well. But Eric Holmes, you're waiting on Speak No Evil. Oh, I don't. I have to go four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half speaking. on this. Because okay. like the, this movie did piss me off because of the the characters just doing stupid stuff, but also like Bruce said, there's there's more to it, and we'll get into that in the spoilers. There's one scene in particular that's like you know they got to go back, which is stupid, but then there's a thing that happens during a dance scene um, that's like okay, now you're locked in, now you have to stay or do something, and what we'll, we'll get into that in spoilers, but that, I think. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think four and a half is good. This is a good movie, um, even though the characters piss me off. But you know, that's not that's not the movie's fault. That's the movie's. I I think that's what they're going for. Um, so yeah, that sounds good. Okay, Bruce, you're waiting on. Speaking um, I watched it a couple weeks ago, and it was like about four and a half stars, and it's kind of stuck with me, and kind of just seeped and 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 cooked in in my brain. And I think I'm think I'm five stars on this. Yeah, I gave this movie four and a half stars. I, w- I was agreeing with Eric on, I put, I think I put it on Letterbox. I might have not. I, I think I put four and a half on Letterbox, but 24 hours later, I just want to get back to it and watch it on a filmic level. Just see how each scene is broken down. I just think this is a masterpiece. For me, it's a five star film. It's a five-star film, definitely. So we'll get to spoilers regarding this. And obviously, the lowest rating is Eric Holmes, who gave it four and a half. So we're telling you guys, <laughs> Speak No Evil is a pretty awesome movie. Now, Eric... Would you? What's the co- what's the big caveat to listeners of the show? Do not see Speak No Evil if um if you've seen Snow Angels and and you never want to watch Snow Angels again. This is not like not at all the same plot, but it's it gets it gets it goes places kind of similar to Snow Angels. And I'll, actually, I listened to the cinematics, the latest cinematics episode. And what's that? Greg, what's that? I, what? I never heard of that pod. What is was it? it? It's it's a pod movie podcast. It's a really okay. good one. Uh, okay. Some yeah. great guys uh, named Greg and Anderson are on it. Thank you. But uh, you were telling Anderson that Speak No Evil is not a horror movie, and yeah. that's and with this on Shutter, I think that's. I said it was probably, a date movie. I, I think I said it was a date movie. Well, <laughs> <laughs> date, yeah. total date movie. Um, but I I think it is important to uh point out that this isn't a horror movie at least not a traditional like i I don't think someone would come out of this saying i just watched a horror movie even though some of the stuff that happens are you know that this is not monster slasher sort of thing so yeah. it, if you're ex- expecting that um 
no. <laughs> okay. But yeah, you, you were bang on when you were talking with Anderson on cinematics about this. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Very good. Yep. It's, yeah, I don't know the horror thing. I don't know. It's one of those things where tell us what you think. Is this a horror movie or not? Should it be because Shutter has a horror lineup? Also, this is not a spoiler, but folks, big, little caveats here. But if you are a fan of rocks, this movie would really work for you too. So just it FYI, does rock. It, it does. <laughs> does it rock, Bruce? Does it rock? <laughs> rock me, Amadeus. Yes, it does. <laughs> but after after this episode, Bruce Perky will be outside his porch. He'll be opening a, some beer, and he's going to have a couple of rocks, and he's going to like lightly do these. He likes to do the skipping rock things in, in the local uh, water, watering hole. So it's gonna be I, nice. I, I will tell you that by the end, I was speechless. <laughs> you were so, oh, you were <laughs> okay, very speechless. And as as Bruce is yelling out into the ether okay so that's very cool that is oh that is i guess it's our big recommend can we say that's our big recommend of the week that that would be speak no evil that with a caveat of god country is also awesome and yeah, we, yeah. It's, overall it's been a good week and yeah. we're sorry bruce that you just don't have a sense of humor uh, in your in your bones regarding confess flash man have, <laughs> have 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 a little bluebird in your heart uh bruce perky which uh, eric will get to in a hodgepodge in a second what's up listeners Force 5 is a show about movie-related top 5 lists, hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex-video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week, and the guest gets to pick the topic. Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods, or head to force5podcast.com. But before we get to this, we're going to get to spoilers after the recording's movie. I'm just going to say, uh, Eric, do you have something interesting to say to Peter Beta? He just jumped in for 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 a couple of uh, drum beats here. He's he's promoting his middle class film class podcast. You want to say something to to, uh, to our buddy uh, Peter Beta? Yeah, hey, 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 Pete. You want to tune them drums up? All right, you ready? You got your sticks? Cool. And drop that beat. Who's in the box? No, uh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, Pete, we love you. That is Pete Abeta with Middle Class Film Class. Check him out. Check Joseph Navarro out and Tyler Noe. They do a great, great, great job over at Middle Class Film Class. Now, what's in the box for this week? Funeral Parade of the Roses. I, I think I mispronounced it with by saying "funeral parade of roses." Funeral parade of the roses. It's currently it's it's uh, mentioned by Joseph Bridges, uh, our our esteemed colleague over at our Cinematics Facebook group. I would say Joseph Bridges has more knowledge in his pinky than me, Eric, and Bruce combined. Do you guys agree with that regarding Joseph Bridges's knowledge of cinema? Yeah, he's. <laughs> he's very. <laughs> what does he see? Like eight hundred movies a year or something? He's, I don't know. He's insane. He's insane in a good way. What, what do you think, Eric Holmes? Our buddy Joseph Bridges. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, on uh, on the Cinemax Facebook page. Uh, once in a while, I'll put up the what was it? Absurdly obscure. Like, this was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I believe yeah. there's a. You, I'm sorry, Eric. You were saying? Oh no, I, I was just saying. I, I I look at those. I'm like, no fucking clue. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's a bizarre world called, where there's a podcast called Find Your Real Film with some real <laughs> podcast hosts, and that's hosted by Matt Stillman, Ken Cunningham, and Joseph Bridges. They are the bizarro version of Find Your Film, probably the better ones. Find the aforementioned guys, they are very knowledgeable cinephiles, and they're one of the 600-plus group members for our Cinematics Facebook group. Please join for daily recommendations. Now, let's go to Funeral Parade of the Roses. Bruce, I'm all yes. out of breath. 
What is this about? So Funeral Parade of the Roses, I really didn't have a clue other than I saw a few stills and it looked kind of mod and weird and black and white and, and from Japan and it's from 1969. So I thought, okay, let's check this out. By the way, it is on archive.org, which you can sometimes find older movies on. Uh, but you also, I believe Criterion, I know they released it. I don't know if it's on the channel now, but Criterion, I believe, has done this movie as well. Uh, Funeral Parade of the Roses, 1969, directed by Toshio Matsumoto. And right out of the gate, the style of this movie is it's it's very um collage sixty style where you will cut back and forth in timelines throughout this movie, which is very disorienting for people uh if you haven't kind of seen some of the more experimental and avant garde movies of the late sixties but that being said, there's a story here, and it's a very unusual presentation for nineteen sixty nine in that it takes place mainly around um, a character named Eddie and another character named Leda, who are both, now once again, I don't know the exact societal norms of that time. They're presented as, some. they're not quite drag, they're not quite trans, homosexual. There's some intermixture of that. They all go to this club and, you know, straight men will go to this club and meet these, you know, women um, and have dates with them or drink with them or carouse with them or whatever the case may be. And it involves kind of a, a, a triangle between Eddie, who's kind of the new it girl uh, and Leda, who is kind of the uh, slightly older once it girl and kind of the madam of this club and the man that they both love or both are interested in and having a kind of an affair with. And that all takes place in this kind of melange of different kinds of media that are happening throughout the entire movie. You'll have news reports cutting in. You'll have, you know, uh, counterculture stuff happening. You'll have avant-garde films happening. You'll have still frames, flash cut in the middle of it. Uh, you'll cut back and forth in timelines, like I said, uh, not Pulp Fiction style, but more frantically than that. But by the end, all of these flash cuts and all of these things you've been seeing bits and pieces of throughout the movie do come together to... A very, like you talk about movies sticking the landing that you don't, wouldn't think would stick the landing. This movie sticks the landing hard. So if you stick it out and kind of get into the vibe of this movie, the ending is pretty amazing, especially for 1969. And you'll be like, wow. And just the, 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 the subject matter alone presented the way it's presented, not pandering, not sensationalizing it, but just a presentation of a side of society that you didn't see in cinema hardly at all in 1969 and Japanese cinema, I'm guessing it was even more rare. So uh, I have a feeling this is probably considered kind of a, a landmark of queer cinema. I don't personally know. I'm not a scholar in that, uh, <laughs> you know, in that realm. So I have someone else would have to uh, speak on that, whether this does or doesn't stand as a hallmark, you know, kind of a, a landmark film. I have a feeling it does uh, just from what I saw. I'm reading some reviews of this. Okay. First of all, couple questions okay it's funeral parade of roses or it can be called funeral parade on rotten tomatoes currently 21 reviews 100 rating audience score of 85 percent. so bruce do you consider with all the images the flash cuts and non-linear stuff and it's seems sounds like inspired filmmaking but is it would you consider it experimental film experimental cinema where it might not appeal to maybe the lay viewer yeah it would not probably appeal to the lay viewer i think if you're if you're like I said, you're into more avant-garde filmmaking. I think uh, I think this is even considered part of like the like the Japanese new wave. 
Yeah, so French, French New Wave, Andy Warhol, you know, uh, Kenneth Anger, but with a more cohesive uh, narrative arc. Like there is a lot of weird stuff happening, but there is a narrative arc and there is a main core story and there's a main character that you're following. And if you stick with it, you it does it does give you some more conventional payoff, but it, boy, the ending, I tell you, it's something. Wow. Something in what? In good? It's just resonant or it's just memorable the way? Uh, it's interesting because you're saying all of these, coll- mm. these collage of images. Mm. I don't understand how at the end you're able to piece it all together. It's like a Nicholas Rogue film where you're just trying to get all those little pieces and then, well. Kind of. Like, I'll give a, I'll give a concrete example without telling you what happens. But there, there, for example, there's a, there's a scene that keeps repeating of a cigarette burning out the face of the father of a family. And you'll keep seeing that image and it doesn't mean anything to you. And at some one point that picture is inside of a book and it falls out. And at the end, you know what that picture means. And the impact of what that picture means is devastating. I could, could easily spoil it for you by comparing it to a very, very famous modern movie with a similar impact. I'm not going to, uh, mm. but it's, it gets to Greek tragic proportions at the end. Let's just say that. Excellent. Funeral Parade or Funeral Parade of Roses? Bruce Perky, what is your rating for this box pick? This is a movie that I started rating as I was going through it, and it kept going up. So that's something to also think about. <laughs> like, I was at three and a half. I was like, this is too much. I don't know what's going on here. Three and a half. It's okay. But it's it's definitely experimental interesting, but I don't know what I think. And it got to four. And I think I landed on four and a half. So four and a half is where I'm ending on this one. Four and a half. Very good. Four and a half stars from Bruce Perky for Funeral Parade. Or Funeral Parade of Roses. Check it out on as we speak, as we're recording on Canopy. Or, like you said, the Archive Org, archive.net, one of those archives. Yeah, archive.org has a whole bunch of like old media, and it is on there as well. It seems to be a pretty good transfer of it, too. So Sounds like a movie, Eric Holmes, that you might watch down the road, Funeral Parade of Roses, with these collage of images and the devastating impacts of cigarette uh, butts in uh, people's faces or something that's... I should be getting some shiitake mushrooms soon, so... <laughs> shiitake mushrooms. Oh, yes. <laughs> it might be, might do be it, a good man. time to do that. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Very, okay, so check that out. For, again, four and a half stars for Bruce Perky. As we end this show, we're going to have uh, Bruce Perky find out what's in the bleeping box. And hey, what's in the box, Bruce? What's in the box? <laughs> or it's not the big red one right now. It'll be the big red one next oh, week. What's in the box? Uh, That's oh, a nice I have box never, you got there. This is a legendary movie <laughs> that I have never seen. I'm finally going to see it. Bad Boy Bubby. I have never seen Bad Boy Bubby. I've never heard I, I, Bad Boy Bubby. I don't even know what this movie is. Oh, they never talk about heard. that all the time on Film Vault. Oh, really? Bad yeah. Boy Bubby. Okay. Oh, well, I, I just guess I should listen to more movies, uh, more uh, more episodes of the Film Vault. But anyways, check out the Film Vault. Check out Cinematics. Check us out here on Find Your Film. Final Thoughts, Eric Holmes. I love you guys. We we You know what? We had a pretty freaking stellar week this week. So, God's Country, Speak No Evil, Confess Fletch, if it suits you. Um, I, I would say watch God's Country, Speak No Evil, and then watch Confess Fletch. And then by the time you get to Confess Fletch, you're like, this is the greatest movie ever. Thank <laughs> God this movie exists. Yes, it was a bummer, yet a very a bummer of a week in the sense that the emotions that we we actually <laughs> that were running through us while we were watching two of these movies. But yeah, very interesting week of cinema. Bruce Perky, as per usual, final thoughts. Um, I would say watch God's Country, um, Speak No Evil, and... Thor, 
Love and Thunder? Did you did you actually watch that recently? <laughs> okay, don't don't do that to me. Did you really see that? Did you see that movie? That's an evil laugh. That sounds like a laugh from the innocence from one of the ghosts. Okay, any yeah, I guess I, Bruce is not saying anything. I I'm now more even mortified regarding that comment than actually watching Speak No Evil one more time, folks. We will see you next week with some stuff from the Big Red One and a bunch of other new find your film material. Take care, guys. Love you.